Welcome to The Run, episode 17. Patty Quinn along with Jerry Green. Jerry, welcome back. Thanks, Patty. It's always a pleasure. And uh, a great response to our return with episode 16, so we certainly appreciate that. Yes, it's always uh, nice to hear from people that have, uh, you know, jumped on our information that we've put out and uh, where they could reach it, and uh, they are reaching it, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, a couple of folks that come to mind who did reach out via Facebook Messenger, our direct cell phones, or on Twitter. Uh, Wilson Bell wanted a little shot there from MVHS and James M. Hill, the halcyon days, we'll call them, of uh, the local high school hockey circle. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll touch on that ever so briefly uh, in the minutes to come. Josh McCormick took great exception to you and I <laughs> in our season preview of the Maritime Hockey League and more specifically the Miramichi Timberwolves. So he wants a little plug in here uh, for the local kids. So we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Because he just sent me this text. He must have been listening to it. And he said, did you guys just give the Timberwolves a preseason preview or a season preview and not recognize the local kids. And I said, well, it's a long season yet, McCormick. Dial back. There, thank you. And uh, Pi O'Reilly sent us both a note. Uh, he wanted a little shot for his old friend uh, Billy Daly. And thanks to ChathamIronman.com. And I'm assuming the work, uh, Jerry, of Brian Richard and Art Gremley and a few others. I would assume. Uh, there are some fantastic statistics that are logged in there and uh, of historical significance. So I do have a little shot here for not know that. Billy Daly here, and I'm going to blow your mind with some of uh, his stats and how in-depth they are as best uh, that, you know, the record-keeping was in those days. Do you days. think it was Brian Richard? Well, Brian Richard, Art Grimley um, come to mind right yeah. off the top. Yeah. I-, I can't imagine two others. Well, for as long as I can remember, Brian has taken pictures of every sporting event that ever happened in the Miramichi, so. But he's been a great chronicler, too, yes. of Miramichi sports yes. as well. and a nice gentleman. All right, so where do we start? Do you want to do Miramichi Timberwolves? you want to do that? Um, whatever you look at, whatever way you want to ride this wave. All right, so let's uh, start with Miramichi Timberwolves, Maritime Hockey League. Two games under the belt. Uh, the home opener on Friday passed versus the Grand Falls Rapids. And then on Sunday passed, uh, their first road game, of the season up in Edmonston. And again, fans, if uh, you haven't been to the arena, there is uh, some cause uh, for excitement. Uh, most people may insert an eye roll there because I've been saying that for pretty much uh, 21 years on or off. But I had a great time on Friday evening. It was a joy to be at the rink, and it was an exciting hockey game. It was odd to be there on a Friday, first of all. Agreed. Uh, good crowd on hand. Everybody uh, obeying all the uh, guidelines that are in place for fans to come and watch the MHL this season, so I thought that went very smoothly. Uh, 50-50 was good. Uh, fans saw an entertaining game. Uh, approximately 520 fans were there. They're allotted to allow to have uh, 650. I want to touch on, touch on that subject uh, I know. with you a little bit later on. I, I know where you're going with that one already. <laughs> but a great start for the uh, for the guys. Got out to a lead and held on to it. Uh, even though uh, Daniel Mooney didn't get a game star, uh, he certainly was an important part of the victory. But uh, there was a number of great uh, uh, performances that night, and uh, his 
uh, didn't hit the three stars because we had to acknowledge uh, one of the players from Grand Falls as well. But overall, great night. Everything went smoothly. Introductions, the dignitaries were there. And uh, just odd to be there on a Friday night. Well, one thing you're overlooking, too, as well, is it was a thank you weekend for all uh, first right. responders and mm-hmm. frontline workers. And thanks to uh, the Atlantic uh, Honda dealers, I guess, who ponied up the money for the uh, jerseys that each team wore in their respective home openers. And as I recall, uh, MLA uh, Michelle Conroy was there. Billy Flieger was there on behalf of the city of Miramichi. There was uh, someone from the pharmacy trade. Um, one of the police officers was there. So the invitation was out to first responders and frontliners who have been uh, steering the ship here through this COVID corona racket uh, that we've been into since, what, February, March? Yeah, the uh, uniforms were outstanding, and uh, it made me laugh. At one point, you thought there was a fellow on the blue line with the last name of Nurse. I did say that, and didn't what I? they did have on the back in the name bars, folks, is just uh, uh, those people in the front lines and we put their occupation if you would right on the on the back of the jersey so patty who's a great edmonton oiler fan so thought darnell nurse was on the blue line well now i remember that exact moment because uh, you said mccollum's looking good back there in defense and i said no that's nurse and then and then you caught me real quick as i've seen pharmacists rolling by me and firefighter and police officers so yeah all in all a great weekend now to bring fans into the loop here uh the uh, maritime hockey league has uh, trimmed the fat, so to speak. They're doing a 40-game schedule with four divisions, uh, mini-divisions as they call it. The Miramichi Timberwolves are in the Northern Mini Division 2 uh, with the Camelton Tigers and the Summerside Capitals. We are 2-0. and Footnote here, the Tigers and Capitals have yet to play. We know why Campbellton hasn't played, and uh, Summerside will get their first game in this uh, weekend, assumingly. Yeah, and the other team is uh, Amherst from the uh, Nova Scotia side is yet to play a game uh, in the season as well. I think they kick off uh, maybe on uh, Thursday the 5th is when they might uh, uh, finally get a chance. But, Patty, I don't know when... Uh, Campbellton's going to get their first game. They are scheduled, and, and, and as it was explained to me by uh, the Timberwolves staff, was it's a kind of a floating schedule with Campbellton. Uh, Grand Falls is supposed to be there next Friday night, the uh, 13th. And uh, whether or not that will happen, I know their, their uh, numbers, uh, their lack of numbers, has been good in the last seven days or so. But I don't know how long it has to be good before uh, the league's going to decide to let teams go to Campbellton or Campbellton to leave, the, the Tigers to leave Campbellton and go play somewhere else. Well, and here's the other uh, footnote to that. Let's assume for the sake of this they get the green light to go this weekend. Are they ready? Because they haven't even been on the ice in the last uh, little bit, assumingly. Well, not this weekend, but the next weekend, which would be the 13th, would be their... Right, but what I'm right. saying is, are they ready to go? Well, that's what I said to you. I said, they, they obviously, they're, they're in quarantine or... or or uh, out of the bubbles, if you will, but maybe they've been allowed to skate. Not that I've heard, but you've got to worry about uh, the conditioning and or uh, what kind of game shape they're in. All right, uh, so Moody, which looked, is good for the Timberwolves, right? Moody looked good in net, uh, faced a lot of shots. We got to cut the shots down here a little bit too. I'm sure you'll agree with that. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think the shots were like 41-37 in the game. Yes, I, I would. I would tend to agree with that, Patty. And then in Edmonton, he was the first star, mm-hmm. and he faced another. I think it was forty some odd shots, um, if I remember correctly. I think the score uh, in Edmonton. I've got it here. Um, was uh, 4-3, and mm-hmm. I think he stopped 39 of 42 and was the first star in Edmonston, and the Timberwolves only had 25 shots on net, and we're lucky to come out with a victory. If you're a fan, uh, no surprise at the top of the Timberwolves uh, player statistics, uh, Jeremy Jacob, who looks great out there, 
has uh, four points. Spencer Blackwell is already one of my favorites. Yep. With only, I've only seen him what two or three times. He's a tremendous hockey player. He's like a dog on a bone. He wants the puck at all times. Yeah, and Kennedy Gallant down the middle and, and uh, Connor McGregor on the other side. Bonafide number one line and uh, Jeremy Jacobs supplies a good 1A line with uh, Sipiot on one side. I don't sure, I'm not sure who's on the other side. But again, what we're trying to say is they've got more firepower up front and uh, pretty good in the blue line and great in the crease. And uh, more grit as well. And more grit, absolutely. Spadafore, a beauty. Yes, and uh, you know the uh, uh, the new faces that were in there. I thought some of the maybe the rookies like uh, McCollum and even Lint. I thought were a little nervous at uh, in that first period of play, but they settled in, and uh, it looks like they have a solid six uh, defense to go with. All right, hang on to your hat, Josh McCormick. Uh, we're going to go through the locals <laughs> here, and uh, we'll keep him appeased. Moody, of course, uh, is uh, from up uh, Blackville Way. Um, the other locals, of course, Brendan Milson. This would be his uh, third uh, for sure season with the good ship Miramichi Timberwolves. Uh, um, we also have uh, young Schofield as well, William Schofield. And he got a point on the first goal of the game, mm-hmm. matter of fact. Uh, one of the backup goalies here thus far has been young uh, Josh O'Neill. He's a former member of the, uh, what do they call the team up in Bathurst now, the Northern Moose, mm-hmm. uh, formerly the uh, Miramichi Riverman. But they have Kenzie McPhail as the official backup in yeah, game yeah. one anyways. But uh, O'Neill has been around and yes. uh, dressed up there as well. And uh, Jet McCollum. <laughs> who we've come to find out has some connections uh, to uh, Bay St. Anne, uh, uh, Jacques Richard. Jacques Richard. Or Richard, excuse well, me. Well, Rich- yeah. yeah. Uh, nephew, I believe. Correct. Yes. That is uh, correct there. And so. he set up residence in the Bay. Oh, is that so? You know that yes, for a fact? Yes, I believe that's true. To be true. Living with family down there? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. And I can't help but think, as we mentioned, Bay St. Anne, although he has uh, uh, foregone his uh, final year of hockey here uh, in pursuit of uh, full-time work, which you pat the guy in the back and bid him farewell, but I can't help but think that Manuel wouldn't love to be here this year with the goings-on thus far. Yeah, he's another one of those players that uh, plays with a lot of emotion. That's, uh, that's the kind of player I like. All right, now you have a whole uh, sheet of stats here, Maritime Hockey League. You want to talk about the teams or you want to get into this Evanston scenario as well? Well, yeah, it's been in the early going. It was just the first weekend. The Timberwolves are the only team that are 2-0, and and uh, we talked about the three teams that haven't played. But the interesting thing to say to you, and I tweeted it to you once I noticed it, in that game between the Timberwolves and Edmonston, the attendance was announced at 1334. Now, I did a little bit of a research. 2,400 seats at the Daigle Arena. Mm-hmm. I forget the Emile Day. I, I, I'm not going to butcher it. The rink, the brand new rink in Edmonston, uh, usually they have 2,800 plus, and that would be standing room and everything, but there's 2,400 seats. So you said to me, well, you're allowed to have 30 or 33% of your capacity. A third of the capacity, A third is, of the capacity. is the way I understood the okay. rules. Maybe I'm wrong. So 2,400, you divide that by point or times it by 0.33, it's 792 people are supposedly allowed in. So I'm wondering if that attendance number was put in incorrectly or do they have to get that corrected? I'm not complaining. I'm just saying if the rules are the same for everybody, they should be the same. If the rules are this, they should be the same for everybody. And I know the tremendous following they have in Edmonton with this hockey team. It's been a humongous success up there. And uh, I, I don't uh, begrudge them having more no. people in there, but if those are the rules, the rules have to be followed. I understand what you're saying, and uh, Sandra Jean Daigle is the arena name, and I I do agree with you in in the sense that uh, it, it's been a resounding success, and it's been a resounding success since day number one. Yeah, 
like we're talking sold out the place to be waiting lists and you know get your tickets on monday for the game on saturday type of stuff up there it's just been ridiculous and uh jerry it's been a while since we've been down in yarmouth they've always been uh historically uh well attended and well supported but i would say i'm just trying to stare off into nowhere here i would say evanston is the envy of the entire league i would think and and even when i noticed um, and you know me, I go through stats, but even when they have back-to-back games, like say a, a summer sign on a Saturday night right. and Sunday night, same attendance. Yep. The place is sold out. People love to go there either to meet and greet other people and see hockey and have a good laugh. Uh, it, it has been a huge success and congratulations to that. Now, again, on Moody, I didn't talk on his numbers. Uh, in those two victories, of which he's the only goaltender in the MHL now with two victories already, uh, 3.50 goals against and a save percentage of 916. So whether he's facing lots of rubber or not, he's he's stopping 91.6% of them. Yeah, and you're a big uh, statistical nerd and, uh, uh, you know, a scout if uh, they were in the stands, loves to see, regardless of wins and losses, love to see that save percentage up over nine. Yes. That's kind of the... Yeah, you'd like to have your goals against three and under and a save percentage of 9, 10 and above. Um, but again, at junior age, sometimes there's breakdowns of which the goalie does not have a chance. So I look more at the save percentage than I look at the goals against at this point in the season. Say that again, you're more focused on save percentage. Yes, yeah, than I, I am on goals against. Yeah, yes. I agree with that. All right, uh, so to put a cap on all things Miramichi Timberwolves, they play Friday, November 6th, their first trip to Fredericton, Saturday, November 7th. Uh, the Fredericton Red Wings are here, and we have a TBD on the next home game. The following weekend is slated for the 14th with Camilton. All bets are off. Yes. I think they'll, again, this floating schedule, they'll have somebody move into that spot, and Campbellton will make it up somewhere other time. But Summerside gets their first chance to uh, – get on the ice when they host a valley that's uh, coming up on saturday that's their first opportunity to play and again you knew uh, they didn't play very many exhibition games because they were supposed to come up right. to face the timberwolves when campbellton couldn't mm-hmm. come and the uh, pei uh, minor hockey or the governing body over there hockey pei if you want to call it that wouldn't allow them to leave to come through zone one which was moncton at the time right and uh, come up to miramichi to play and as you reference moncton tell me you're not chomping at the bit to finally get your eyes on the good ship Moncton Wildcats. Yes, uh, we're going to get our first opportunity on Rogers TV to show them on uh, Friday night and uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, intrigued to see what kind of, uh, of uh, rules and regulations are in place to get into the building, get to the place where we have to be, and probably once I get to the place I have to be, not allowed to move anywhere else. So it, uh, it'll be fascinating to see, but uh, very much looking forward to uh, seeing and calling uh, live hockey in the, in the queue on Friday. All right, uh, so uh, bring us up to speed on uh, where they are right uh, now. Well, in the last uh, week... They uh, picked up a couple of victories. They, they're the one team in the division that has played the fewest amount of games. They've only played seven, where most of them have played nine to 11 games because Moncton had to sit out three. Right. So uh, they're still, you know, trying to find, uh, I guess, some rhythm. But last weekend, they've got a, a big victory in overtime in Halifax and stayed on the road, went to face the first place, Acadie Bathurst. Titan went up there and it got a 7-6 overtime when they went 6-6 in regulation. Uh, Jordan Spence, who was acknowledged as a player of the week and is going to go to the World Junior tryouts, had a hat trick. He's a defenseman that used to play 
Summerside Western Capitals, his rookie season, was rookie of the year. And then the Wildcats picked him up in the second round, the next draft, and uh, the rest is history. He was uh, tremendous that year with uh, Summerside. Un- unbelievable uh, uh, smarts, uh, great skates, uh, just uh, an intelligent hockey player that you'll want to have on the back end. All right, uh, so uh, the Moncton Wildcats, uh, Jerry's finally going to get his chance to uh, get behind uh, the microphone. Is there uh, some apprehension or hesitation, or is it uh, old times when you get behind that microphone? Have you done your homework? Have you talked to Neil Hodge? Have you sourced all the stats? Well, the thing is, I haven't done, I've done my homework. I haven't prepared my game notes because... Uh, the Wildcats and the Sea Dogs, of which are going to play Friday, are also playing on Wednesday the 4th, of which we are producing this. And so there's stats going to come from that and game stories that will come from that that I can still use on Friday. But, yes, I'll tap into Neil Hodge and get uh, – uh, sense of the pulse of the team and uh, maybe who to watch and who he likes. and Because uh, Neil and I uh, traveled around a lot together, and I always joked with him because he usually sat to my left and if we were on the road, and I always joked with him that his story was written from what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but we, what I'm trying to say, we do think alike, yeah. and he's taught me things to watch. He likes to keep track of... How many shots were there 10 minutes in? How many shots were there five sh- five minutes in? Really? And he keeps track of those things. And I started to do that a little bit, one of those things that he taught me. Because you can go on a spree, start the game with nine straight shots, and then end up 9-7. He makes notes of those things. Mm. And that uh, that was something that intrigued me and something I've done ever since I, I saw him do it. Well, now you and I have uh, done Miramichi Timberwolves games. Uh, we had the uh, good fortune of doing that President's Cup championship in 2010, uh, Moncton and St. John. Um, to get broadcast nerdy, I always found it was my job, further to what you're saying about Hodge and yourself, uh, you would watch the play and I would watch everywhere else but the puck. Yes. That was my general rule of thumb. Exactly. All of a sudden you'd be shouting a goal and then say, look at me and go, like, fill it in. Although you wouldn't say that, you would just give me the eyes and I would say how the play developed leading up to what you ended up calling. Right. And I I always uh, rely on a color guy to have a couple of players that he wants to highlight and mention things about them during the game when there's lulls in the action. Like, you know, Patty uh, last week had uh, three goals. It was the first time he had a hat trick. And, he, you know, just, you know, stuff to fill where I can sit back and let them, uh, you know, display the research that they've done, in particular on e- either team, be it home or away. You know what I don't uh, miss uh, from those days is uh, sometimes uh, on a stoppage in play, I would fill in with my color analysis as best I could. And then inevitably you get a little long in the tooth sometimes and the uh, puck would be dropped again and play was commencing and you'd be given that I know I realize we're on a podcast here and no one can see us but you'd be going like come on come on and give me the eyes <laughs> no I, was, I, I don't I don't miss that well I loved your homie stuff I loved your stuff like uh, it was rootsy uh, and folksy folksy as George would say it's very folksy where you would uh, say geez I see the 50 50s up to 20 grand or <laughs> or it uh, wasn't that intermission great that poutine that we had down at the canteen they have the best popcorn here at the Coliseum stuff like that I enjoyed for from you and the times that we did it. Uh, well, we, you you have a segment in your brain cooking there that you wanted to talk about uh, rink foods and uh, some of the subtleties of some of the arenas. What were you going to call that? It was um, uh, something like rinks, the, hotels, and road trips. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, right something there. like that. We will get to that. And there's so many things to. Uh, we weren't planning to do that here tonight because no, no, there's no. a number of other things. But, oh, no, that is definitely going to be a conversation. And you've got some dandies that I that I haven't been to that you <laughs> you experienced on the road with the hopster. So, you know, those Oof. are going to be, 
you know, I can, uh, th- those those will be what uh, censored or, or what is it called? Uh, I, I believe in the podcast <laughs> business, they flag you NSFW, which is not suitable for work. Meaning, <laughs> there you go. Put the buds in. You're about to hear a, a tale. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next in our agenda, I'll allow you to throw the next topic out there. You have your whole uh, run of stuff in front of you. Well, a run of stuff, but it was just stuff to get caught up on. And number one was. Um, uh, how baseball went about oh. to get their season and ended up playing in quasi bubbles, yep. and then played the World Series, I believe, in Arlington, Texas. Correct. I forget the name of the ring, or the uh, ballpark. Um, but of course, the deciding game was the one that b- brought up the most discussion, and the way that Tampa Bay and they say this is the way the Tampa Bay Rays got to where they got to was using analytics and knowing that a player. Once he gets a pitcher specifically, gets to a certain point in the game, didn't want him to go through three times in the order, maybe they, they you know, come out and go to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a little bit different. And a different meaning, game number six, of with Blake hey. Snell was throwing BBs, had, had struck out the top three guys in the order twice already, and he was going to meet them the third time. And in theory, if you lose, there's no tomorrow. Right. He has the lead. It's one nothing. He Yes, he just gave up a hit to the number nine batter. All right, I'll give you that. But to come out, not even have a discussion with them, and pull them out, it was the turning point of which, of course, the Rays, uh, um, uh, the Dodgers scored a couple runs that inning, and that was really the end of the story. I am not an analytics guy because uh, what analytics don't tell you is heart and soul. Exactly. Grit and determination. You know, is Jerry a good teammate? Is Patty a good teammate? Uh, blah, blah, blah. The eye test. You could see he was ready. Now, in baseball, I will concede that analytics do loan itself to the nerdery of on base percentage. Absolutely. And, you know, Jerry's a good bunter and is able to do this x amount of times in a certain percentage it's the one sport where it loans itself to it however and i'm a bit old school in this i don't know where folks will uh lie on this uh debate but i come from an era and i'm not talking tampa bay rays or los angeles dodgers i'm talking you know local baseball but you were afraid, not afraid, you just didn't, no, you weren't afraid, that's that's a shitty term. You just didn't tell, if, if Coach Jerry Green said, Quinn, are you good to go today? I couldn't care less if I had a hard time tying my shoes or brushing my teeth that morning because my arm was that sore, I'd say, give me the call, give me the ball, Green. Exactly. Because the theory was, if you, if you said no this time, then you ain't getting it the next time. And uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, other than to say, I love, look, at. I don't think the pitcher wanted to come out, I, I do think... Maybe if it were mic'd up and we had we were privy to that conversation, he'd be like, "What the hell are you doing out here?" Um, you know what I hate? What? And it's it's underutilized. You ask the catcher, "How's it going?" Sure. You ask the catcher. Huh, catcher it. knows. All right. So catcher knows. So let's say back in in the good old he's days, calling the game. Two Warriors, Jenkins and Saunders. Greg Morris makes a trip. It's game four against Moncton, let's say, for the sake of the story. Maddie maybe gave up uh, a couple of singles here. We're in a bit of a jam. Runners on first and second, no outs. Right. I, I, I would think, well, look at Jenkins would have not wanted to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, Morris would probably stick to his stomach going out to his perceived ace and going, okay, what do I do here? But I, I, I agree with you. A guy like Johnny Saunders would say, okay, Skipper, he still got her, um, you know. Uh, some you know sometimes you just get good wood on a ball. 
Uh, maybe uh, you, right. you lay one in there where it shouldn't have been. Uh, right. Shit happens. Catcher could take ownership of the fact that the yeah. last hit was made. Yeah, I, sh- I told him to throw this, yes. and I really shouldn't. Have. I should have went fastball, but I called curveball. But you could see it in Snell's eyes. He was uh, he was he was like this is unbelievable. Yes, you're gonna pull me out. Yes. He had lots left. I think he had 73 pitches in the – I think it was the fourth inning. So what's the theory? Analytics or are they uh, protecting the investment or – No. No. It, that's the way they played all season long, whether it comes from management down to the bench or vice versa. That was the way they were going to – that was the style of their team. But – and this is a big but. It's game six. You're facing elimination. Your guy's got his A game. Why are you taking him out? Right. And again, what the, the report on the guy that they replaced, and I forget his name, uh, Robinson or something like that, he hasn't been good all through the playoffs. Right. Every appearance he's had, he's given up a run. And here's Snell throwing BBs. Had struck out the top half of the order twice already, and he was going to meet them the third time. I, I think if I were the manager coach in any situation in any sport, um, don't, make, don't get me going back to 2017 Timberwolves time, but I would rather – Dance with the one that brung you. Yes. And I am okay with losing a game with my best players on the ice or on the field than I am going deep into the bullpen and going, shit, why'd I do that? It's a long mm-hmm. off season to think about the what-ifs and, the well, the maybes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I really think, it, it, you know, if uh, – um, I forget the manager's name now uh, – uh, I'll, it'll come to me. Anyways, the Tampa Bay manager, if he would have turned to the to the catcher and said, well, what do you think? And you, as a catcher, you probably don't throw your guy under the bus, but you would say, look, at he's, you know. Well, And, uh, and again, it was it, the eye test. You could see. He is, was, is it incumbent upon the catcher to jump in in that situation? Uh, not unless you're asked. I don't know, Patty, the, the hierarchy of that or, or what the proper etiquette of that is. Um, do you come in and say, ah, Skipper, I don't think you should pull him. I don't think that happens. But Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. Yeah, yeah I great. just Googled yes. that up. Um, look, we could chew on that one all yeah. day. Uh, but I'm not – I mean, Moneyball was a great movie. Yes. Uh, arguably one of our favorites. Yes. And Billy Bean started this movement. Um, but there, there's holes in it. There, There is holes um, in the theory. And you can parlay that into what happened with that Arizona Coyotes draft pick. All the analytics in the world, he's a good skater, he's a good first pass, got a pro shot, blah, blah, blah. What it didn't tell you is the character of the guy, which, uh, you know, whether you would disagree with them uh, returning the uh, pick and uh, uh, distinguishing themselves um, or extinguishing the the fire, as it were, um, it's irrelevant. But what it doesn't tell you is that kind of stuff. Hey, Moneyball, I found... Uh, Brad Pitt's uh, character was more about offense. And I love the line where the guy says, we're not stealing any bases. What do you mean? That's what I do. No, I pay you to get on base, not to get thrown out at second base. Mm. That was a great line. Right. And But the focus in Moneyball, I found, was about offense. If they're going to give you an out, take it. You know, it's a, free, it's a free out, take it. He was talking about all the simple things about the game. And again, it is a simple thing. They're giving you an out, take it. You know, if someone's bunting, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I love that. That, uh, but it focused. Never talked much about pitchers in that in that movie, uh, which analytics for the Braves seemed to be more about pitchers than it was about the positional players. But love the movie and lots of great quotes in that movie too. Uh, uh, are you an analytics guy? At the end of the day, uh, no. 
I'm not. But baseball, it lends itself. I to know. That. Like you say, it's all about statistics. Yes. They have statistics that, oh, go, that go on forever they about know anything. who hit doubles on rainy Tuesdays. Yes. That's a stat. I know. You know. So, no, I'm not. Not in baseball. I think it's it's the eye test, and a good manager would have an eye, have the eye test to, to see that this guy, Blake Snell, was ready to, you know, it was his to win or lose. And you, you didn't give him the chance, and that's terribly disappointing. And, again, my cap on this conversation is if, if it is his to win or lose, let's fly or die with him. Yeah. And, and, and I'm okay with um, – I'm okay with managing any possible outcomes there. I've conducted my whole life that time. Every time you crack a microphone in my former career at the radio station, you live and die with any possible outcome of what you were going to say. And I, I would parlay that little notion into this. If Snell gets beat, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I get into a situation yes. with a, a ball team years ago, had a guy that was a so-so runner um, coming on second. There was a, a, a gapper, and I sent him home, and I shouldn't have. But however... Not that I'm trying to rationalize the air here. My That's heart, when you were coaching junior ball. My it? heart got in the way, waving a guy in. But three things had to happen. The outfielder had to cleanly field the ball and come up throwing. Cutoff guy had to catch the ball and throw a strike to the catcher. And the catcher had to put the tag on him. So you can almost justify with the three things that led to the uh, the, the eventual outcome, which was the out. Um, and if, if the runner's safe, we're not talking about this because we won the game. But a lot had to go right in that moment for it to go wrong for us, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yes. That sounds like a meatloaf song right yeah. there. But, look, I like both teams. I'm happy the Dodgers won. I was just disappointed the Rays did what they did when they did it. And I would have loved to have seen a Game 7. Uh, but uh, overall, I thought the World Series was uh, entertaining back and forth. And like baseball is, one game can be totally different than the other. And uh, Mookie Betts should have been MVP. He wasn't. But I also made a note about Justin Turner and the fact um, odd that he would be pulled out of the game halfway through, first of all, to uh, a positive test for the COVID virus. Um, he had a negative, false negative or something the day before, and they were dilly-dallying about making the test or, or doing the test and getting the results quick enough so he didn't even go on the bench. But then to get out of security or get away from security or confinement wherever he was to go back on the field and uh, have his mask on, sometimes not have his mask on, I thought uh, was very irresponsible. And, and, uh, and, and the other thing about, you know, how many times do you win the World Series? How many times are you going to get this opportunity to celebrate with your, yeah. with, your, with, your, with your teammates? But then think about, we talked about this last podcast, kids that got to graduate from high school, kids that got to graduate, uh, birthdays, anniversaries you missed, uh, funerals you didn't get to go to, mm -hmm. you know, all that sort of seeing people that are sick. And those things are things we miss too. Everyone and has paid a personal price exactly. here. And for him to be out there because it's the World Series and he wants to be with his teammates, well, I don't, I don't think that's a good enough reason. I think this is a broad scope, general uh, comment here, but uh, I do think – based on the numbers, and I realize the numbers are astronomically higher than ours based on population alone, um, but I, I find the American response to be a little bit more cavalier than ours. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was just my uh, spinoff on that, and I don't, they said there's possibly could be a suspension for him to, to start next season, whenever that might be, but uh, I don't think a fine does it. I don't think a fine is enough. I think he has to sit out some games. Dodgers win the World Series in six games over Tampa Bay. Uh, just a couple of long-suffering Dodgers fans that come to my mind. Ray Savoy grew up across the street from Ray. Uh, Diehard Dodgers, got to be happy for Ray. Uh, Clary, I think Bev Bond's a Dodger fan, too. Clary Hale yeah. and uh, Ryan Summers are the ones that come to my mind, and we're probably forgetting a few other obvious ones. 
but yeah. uh, just a quick plug there. For so those LA guys. wins Major League Baseball. It wins the NBA championship. And it was funny that Tampa Bay had won the NHL championship and Tampa Bay had a good chance at winning the World Series. Wow. And they've got a pretty good football team this year, too. So things are happening in Tampa Bay. I uh, never really thought of it in uh, that context. All right. Uh, I'm looking at your little war plan there. What's uh, next on the agenda? Oh, it's all me, is it? Well, it, it's the t- it, unfortunately, it has to do with a little bit of the politics going on south of the border and oh. my terrible disappointment. A crushing disappointment, I'd have to say, of Bobby Orr putting out a full-page ad endorsing Donald Trump. All right, so let me jump in here. So the Timberwolves home opener is Friday past. Um, for whatever reason, um, just got uh, locked down in the day's work uh, where I work and uh, was unfamiliar with this goings-on. And then you blurt that out at the arena from behind me because you're always behind me. I'm sitting down, you're standing up. And then you said, did you see Bobby Orr's... Uh, uh, it was a full-page ad. Full-page ad. Right. Supporting Donald Trump. And I'm like, what? And then we get into this conversation, yourself, Newman, and I. And my initial words to you were, I have never heard anyone say anything negative about Bobby Orr ever, all time. Like, no one has ever said Bobby Orr is this. Other than Bobby Orr is a great hockey player, perhaps the all-time best, depending on what area you were uh, dialed in in the NHL. But no one has ever said Bobby Orr's. is uh, an arsehole or, or anything like that. Any average uh, person that's ever met him, he's a gentleman. Pure he's gentleman. Courteous. Right. He's generous with his time. Yes. He's a, he's a, a philanthropist, if you will. Yes. He's very big on charity and uh, uh, not a bad thing you could say about him. Uh, 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 very, um, I don't know, just looking at him, you think, what a jolly fellow. What a nice man he seems to be. Even though never met him, and to well, that, for that to happen, you, well, you, you, it tarnishes his image, not on the ice but off the ice for me, because I just can't believe he would endorse a man of Trump's stature. Well, and here's the other thing about Bobby Orr too, and uh, there's very few people in or out of the sports world, and you and I have been to enough uh, uh, dinners and auctions, uh, either locally or abroad over the years, but there's very few people who can walk into a room of six, 700 or an arena of two or 3,000 or an NHL arena with 20,000 plus and light it up like Bobby Orr or Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... I think I, there's some diehard Bruin fans that are that have put him on the back burner now because of that. That's what I've heard. Oh, absolutely. Miramichi diehard Bruin fans. Yes. That have thought, oh, goodness, are you really that happened? Yeah. And it did. I, I saw an interesting tweet from a beat reporter from the Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, you'll have to enlighten me here, but Orr's little run with the Blackhawks was minor at best. At the end of his career. Right. Yes. Uh, the best days had been behind him, and it was it wasn't. It wasn't. Was it only a season or a handful of games? Oh, or? I think uh, less than forty games. Thirty-two, I think. Wow. Yeah. But but even even this gentleman said even the Chicago Blackhawks fans are disappointed in Bobby Orr right now, uh, and it just loans itself to the magnitude of this guy that although he played thirty-two games, let's say it was, we'll look that up here as we go along. Everyone holds Bobby Orr, and he's one of those guys. Dare I say this? Um, he could go anywhere in continental North America, or any of the hockey-loving countries overseas. And people know who Bobby Orr mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Gratsky, Tretziak, Orr. Um, there's Lemieux. Very, Lemieux. Well, I don't know Lemieux's in that yeah, echelon. I mean, I love Mary Lemieux, and he's uh, yeah. he was a wizard on the ice. Crosby could be. Crosby Ovechkin would be your modern day yeah. equals, but uh, the, even there, yeah. 
Bobby uh, Orr is his. He's Mr. Hockey. Absolutely. Uh, Gordy Howe's Mr. Hockey. Pardon me. Sorry. Yes. No, I know. But Gordy Howe be rolling over in his grave. And the thing that, that really, as a Canadian, why does he have to stick his oar, yeah. pardon the pun, in the water of Trump? <laughs> you know? Did you mean that right I, there? I, just kidding. I don't know why. But... Why does he even have to get involved? So the only thing I was thinking, and again, this is a podcast with guys with uh, two guys that have you know uh, views on life in general and in sports, and there had to be some money exchange that went to a, a, and I would think not for Orr's pocket, but for a foundation that he supports, well, or something like that. That's what I thought. Uh, Why else would he do it? There had to be a gain there somewhere. There had to be. I'm not suggesting personally, but I I do agree with you. We will give the Orr Foundation this or whatever charity uh, or whatever Orr is is behind, the Passion Project, as it were. And then the Jack Nicklaus thing. I think Jack and and Trump are involved with a number of golf courses and stuff like that. I didn't think much. I I was a little bit shocked, but uh, Jack Nicklaus endorsing him was uh, uh, didn't affect me as much because Bobby Orr is a Canadian icon. He's a Canadian hero. He's one of the best hockey players in the world, and he's Canadian, and he's supporting the most <laughs> absurd American I've ever seen in my life. And yet, there are a certain, uh, despite our disdain and pissiness, there is a certain high percentage of the population that's going, hell yeah, Bobby Orr, for supporting Donald yeah. Trump. You know what I mean? There, There is that opposite uh, as well yeah we should acknowledge that real quickly here too and you're not far off uh 76 77 he played 20 games with uh, chicago did not play 77 78 and came back in 78 79 for six more games so 26 yeah. uh games um can't remember who they traded to with the blackhawks yeah have you ever gone down the bobby Orr statistical rabbit you hole you can hit the trade button up at the top on uh it'll tell you who he was traded for all right hang on here 915 points in 657 yeah. games. Ridiculous. There was a couple of seasons he led the NHL in scoring with over, oh, I would say his highest point total. Um, I think he had 102 assists one year. I think he might have had 150 points one year, did he? Uh, now you're putting me on the spot here. Highest points uh, was 139. 139, okay. 78 games, 37 goals, 102 assists. 102 assists. I, was just, I think um, Paul Coffey had 50 goals one year. Is that right? Yeah. I think it is. You should know that as an Oiler fan. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Had dinner with Paul Coffey a few years ago at the exhibition building uh, at the Riverman right. auction. Yes. Absolutely. And I remember Clary coming over going, you want to sit at Coffee's table? And I'm like- <laughs> And have coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'd like to sit with Paul. That'd be great. Hi, Paul and Patty. <laughs> I was on a TV show with Paul Coffey. Holy shit. Do tell. Never told you this? Was it a Beachcombers? Were you- it was CBC show. Oh, is this the one you went away with? I uh, went to Toronto for that. For that, uh, it was they had uh, who are the smartest sports trivia guys, and so they had a bunch of us sports guys, commentators, play-by-play guys, sportscasters in general. Yes, they had a bunch of referees. They had Olympians. They had uh, regular geek. Uh, you know the guys who know statistics and all that. They had about six different categories, and Paul Coffey was a captain of one team and. Um, uh, um, um, uh, Alan Thick was a, a captain of another team. They had about five celebrities there for each for each team. You're rolling with all these guys. Yes. Are you in the green room before you start rolling tape? <laughs> How do? Well, no, seriously. No, no. You just arrived and you went to your spot and and um, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, Did you answer any questions? Uh, well, it was a it was a push a button. 
uh, whatever the right answer was. And whatever group had the major had the answer with the highest percentage was the one that uh, was the one that got the point. So you had a, a little a button like uh, maybe little, A, B, and C, and D. A little pad. Right. And you had to push the button, and that was that. So. Ron McLean was, um, and yes, Ron McLean and Wendy Mesley. And what did I do for you that weekend? You brought me back a CBC mug. With? Signed by Wendy Mesley. Wendy Mesley. I've always had a, I've had a longstanding thing for Wendy Mesley. Me too. Yeah. Fine broadcaster. And so, anyways, can, can, yes. best you can recall, uh, set me up for that conversation. We went over and said, Wendy, can you uh, sign my uh, a mug for a friend? Or That was it. And had a picture with her. Had a picture with Ron. She spelled my name right, too. Yeah, well, I had to make sure she did. I wasn't just going to let her go freewheeling on that. <laughs> if I'm getting you a mug with your name on it and her signing oh, it, it's going to be spelled right. I would have been more pissed at you if you brought the <laughs> mug back with my name wrong. I'll give Wendy the pass. <laughs> no. But you're right there with a the Sharpie going, it's yeah, P-A-D-D-Y. No. Yeah, I'm making sure she gets that right. Yeah, I would have been pissed. The following day. You know, let me jump okay. in here, not to put you on the spot. What year do you think that was? That was a long time ago. It was, uh, I was play-by-play for the Moncton Wildcats on 91.9, which was a Rogers station. Uh, News Talk Sports out of Moncton. It would have been probably 2000 and uh, I would think eight. Okay. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a one offer. They never did it again, did they? No, they never did it again. The next night, went to the Leafs Canadians game at uh, Maple Leaf. Well, it wasn't Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, hold on now, hold on now. You did that on your own, or is this part of the package? No, they let me stay over the weekend. Who's they? The CBC? The CBC, people? yeah. And they said we got tickets for a game? I was in the Sky Dome Hotel. Holy shit. So just walked down the street to the, and so I had a press pass to go up into the press box. The gondola. Do I, you want me to tell the story? Uh, okay. I'd, I'd be offended if you didn't. All right. It was the Air Canada Center. Uh, Bob Cole was doing the play-by-play that night. and uh, Leafs Canadian Saturday night. Yes. Holy Leafs Canadian shit. Saturday night. So I had my press pass, and I had my gear with me because um, at the time- Hold it out. Uh, don't just throw that out there. Your gear for folks- My recorder and stuff and my notes- because I wanted to interview Bob Cole about the fact that the St. John's Fog Devils of the queue weren't going to return the next season. And I was going to get some quotes from him to use in my show as an intermission thing uh, later on in the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. why I did that. Um, uh, so I'm upstairs and I just say, Mr. Cole, do you have a few minutes? Jerry Green, da da da. And where did you I go prom- with Mr. Cole or Bob? Well, I went with Bob, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, he, he waxed on about uh, Newfoundland hockey and, and things like that. It was a great uh, uh, little interview. But the interesting thing was, and this little insight, down in the green room where the media goes before the game, mm-hmm. Bob Cole's there. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think the briar is on because it must be March. And the briar is on. And, uh, and nobody, Bob Cole sits at the table and, and he was, and I think Gushu was playing. Bob Cole gets his own table. Well, he, nobody stood, nobody sat near him because he is very passionate about Newfoundland and curling. Sure. And, uh, anyways, that seemed interesting to me that nobody really cuddled up with him while he was watching the curling. Fast forward. Uh, do you remember who won the game? No, I don't. Really? No, I don't. And no. the next morning, after that weekend, you're balling with all these people. <laughs> you got the game. Next got- morning, you you catch a flight that's paid for by CBC, and you come home. Got a nice picture with Bob Cole. A matter of fact, Greg Millen took the picture. I didn't want a picture with him. I wanted with Bob. You threw Greg Millen your phone and said, Greg, can you take yeah. a picture? Rather yeah. than go selfie mode with the both of them. No, no. Well, the back then, now it's 08, okay? So you had a flip phone. Yeah, or- Jerry Green's not traveling with an iPhone. 
And I think it was one of those portable cameras, you know, oh and then you turn the dial. <laughs> God. <laughs> Anyways, we got off on a long story there. But that was a fascinating weekend, and that's uh, uh, my Paul Coffee Hut. That's how we started on that. So uh, not to uh, prolong this, but uh, give it to me in 30 seconds to a minute. Uh, how the hell did you get mixed up in this? You just got a nondescript email? Uh, I got an email from CBC, and I think one of the directors at Rogers in Moncton wanted, uh, they contacted them and said, we want a sports guy from Moncton. And uh, so they directed them to me. And because I was the only sports guy on 91.9 at the time, I was doing play-by-play. So that was the only sports contact they had in Moncton. Nobody else was doing play-by-play. There was no sports casters in Moncton at the time. You know, they didn't have a sports, you know, how radio went, uh, you know, uh, eliminated sports, just had the, yeah. the news guy read yeah, the yeah. sports. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's how it happened. Sent me an email. Next thing I know, uh, uh, arranged uh, flights, uh, you know, hotel, boom, bang. You know, that was it. It was, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. I've often, of fun. I've often been somewhat jealous of, of that trip. But even more so now. I didn't realize it was that. I never told you that story. I, I'm sure you have, but yeah. it's uh, some time has passed and yes. some water under the bridge. I apologize, yeah. but that's a hell of a trip. If I'm, may, it was a great trip. If I may say so, yeah, it was a really, really uh, uh, great experience. A lot of fun. Any any good eats or? I don't remember. They're probably well. I didn't go without eating. Well, that's was, for sure. What was craft services in the green room? <laughs> um, CBC's got to put a little deli tray in front of you while you're ready, here to, was, here ready was, to roll tape. It was a Saturday night. Uh, here's the interesting thing. What do you mean, Saturday night when they recorded the show? No, Saturday night for the game. No, no, I'm talking about the green room at the show. At the yeah, TV. I don't remember that. Oh, come on. I don't. There, there had to be a deli tray Look, with some cheese. Look, my eyes were wide open. There was, it was just fascinating to be there. Okay. You know, so I, I guess I missed out. I don't recall what the eats were. Do we have a uh, live studio audience? Yes, there is. Really? There's a live studio audience. Wow. And it's kind of like each, each, uh, uh, each team uh, was in bleachers. You know, they each had bleachers, that, so they kind of rose up like that. And uh, Anyway, so the... Um, Have you, did you PVR this? Like, does this exist somewhere? Can we watch this again? Can we revisit this? I think so. You have it on an old uh, jump stick or anything like that? Jumpins, Patty. Um, I thought my mother recorded it. Yes. At any rate, don't recall. Okay. I don't know. I don't believe I've ever reviewed it again. Mm-hmm. Because I don't really spend any time on camera. I mean, you know, because there's a, there's a group of, let's say, 20 sportscasters in these. Okay, but. Did you shirt and tie it or what you do there? No, it was a sports jacket and shirt, no tie. Oh, the classic Jerry Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The classic Jerry Green. Well, I set the trend for that, actually. The Blazer. In 2008. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was interesting. This is my last note on this. Saturday night. Well, listen, Leaf, I, uh, I, I tell enough stories. I find this fascinating. Please, Air, Air please. Canada Center. Yes. All the scribes are there, all the faces you'd recognize. Yeah, yeah. Soon as Coach's Corner came on, up in the press box, Mm -hmm. media center, Mm -hmm. whatever, everybody stopped and watched Don Cherry. So when Ron and Don Don back in the day were doing their thing, in real time, everyone's watching. Down in the basement doing their show. Right. Everybody's watching first intermission to see what Don Cherry has to say. Pens are down. Yes. Wow. Everybody's watching. Not clickety-clacking on keyboards. Nobody's doing nothing. You're not texting on your 08 flip phone? No. Wow. It, uh, it was quite a phenomenon to see that uh, all these people would get together, and there's there might be a monitor at one end of the press box and another one down at the other end. 
everybody's watching. So 08, we saw Carrie Price, assumingly. Oh, Patty, I don't even remember much of the game. I was just busy taking it all in. Yeah. You know. I get that. Yeah. That's a fascinating story. Yeah, well. And uh, uh, that's it. I won't tell any more about it. The, you know, I can go on forever about this because there's so many aspects of the trip that were, hey, that were fun. I have nothing but time. Yeah. <laughs> but we had other things we wanted to cover. How we got off on that was about uh, great hockey players and meeting Paul Coffey. You did. Yeah, I yeah, did. Right. And how that all happened. But, oh, yeah. That's where we started. We were on the Bobby Orr thing. With the Bobby Orr thing. Yeah. yeah so let's put a cap on that. Uh, again, it's hard to believe here we are. Uh, using Bobby Orr's name uh, for something other than utmost of respect and yes. admiration utmost. is shocking and appalling yeah. in the year 2020. I, it came up in, in the subject came up at work the other day. And, uh, of course, um, in the 70s, I lived and breathed hockey, played hockey, studied hockey, statistics, hockey cards, all that stuff. And it came up, and they said, "How old would Bobby Orr play uh, be?" And I said, <laughs> "I said, well, he was born March twentieth. I knew the date he was born yeah. and where he was born, of okay. course. You know, it was March twentieth. He's from Perry Sound, Ontario. It's interesting you say that. Uh, the Perry Sound uh, Shamrocks uh, started there. It's interesting you say hockey cards, and I get in chills as you say that because um, found a whole pile of cards recently, and." They're of no value to anyone other than myself. Um, and I probably found three, 400 cards. But they're all Edmonton Oilers cards. But just having those cards in my hand and thumbing through them, I could go all in on hockey cards or, or sports cards in general again. Uh, I think there's a certain portion of people, well, our children are and never grew up in that generation. I mean, when you got a pack of hockey cards, mm-hmm. holy shit. That, you, was, that was a day. And you know, back in the 70s, you had the two channels. And if you were going to watch hockey, it was on Saturday night. And it was playing somebody in the East. No internet. Toronto and Montreal are playing somebody in the East. The yes. Rangers, the Bruins, Detroit, whoever. Blackhawks. You don't get to see the California Golden Seals, let's say, in 1967 when right. they started. And this is the reason I'm going down this story. Once you got a card and saw, geez, those are nice uniforms. And I always liked those green and yellow gloves. Mm-hmm. And didn't I get a set of those green and yellow gloves? Didn't go with the uniform that I was in, but I just love those gloves. And I love that they, uh, I think uh, Charles Finley first owned them. And he had them wearing white skates the first year. And, wow. and how fascinating that was. But you never got to see them on TV. So it was, you lived through your hockey cards on what these guys looked like and how they taped their shins and and you know what they wore and how they wore it and you know it was very impressionable for a, a young hockey fan my good friend big al sutherland uh, is still into the hockey cards and he saves me all the uh, oilers cards so i am forever grateful for that so i'm up to date yes good all right uh, is it my turn or <laughs> no it's your turn. no no go ahead what else do you have no no we were gonna go over and uh, remember you said let's discuss uh first of all before let's th- leave this on hockey and what your impressions was of the OHL maybe not having body checking if they do resume play, which could be January or February. Well, it's not a maybe anymore. That's book rule. Uh, no, I don't think it's set yet. Oh, I believe it has been. She suggested it and wants them to do it. Now, the league might say, well, we're, we're going to shut down the league and we're not even going to play then if that's a rule you want us to have. Well, I'm, are you asking me if I'm for or against? Yes. I think it's horseshit. It's crazy. It's crazy uh, to think that... At that level, they would even 
how do you retrain somebody? Well, you, you and can't. number two, Patty. Hey, here's the other thing. Let, let's assume 18-year-old Patty Quinn, who's playing for what? Give me an OHL team. Sudbury Wolves. Yeah. I play a season with no body contact, and then all of a sudden I make an NHL team. I'm going to get the living shit kicked out of me. A uh, couple of interesting points. All right. What? So if I hit somebody, something's going to fly off them onto me? Is that what the... Uh, uh, is that what this is all about? Right. Okay, so if you're in looking at for a rebound around my goalie and I come around and take care of you, is that then are we not in close proximity of each other? Are we not in close proximity of each other when we line up for a face-off and bump and grind and dig for a loose puck off the face-off? I just don't get how you can single out that one event. Number two is, Patty, if they do go ahead and play without body checking, and let's say there's a Memorial Cup, Quebec's been hitting, the WHL has been hitting, and now you're together for a mm-hmm. Memorial Cup you haven't been hitting all season? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Just at a fundamental level, too, as uh, you and I are wont to do on uh, most Saturday evenings during the winter months, we uh, do the microphone and score sheet. I can't fathom a referee coming over to tell me that number four for blue has received a two-minute penalty for body checking. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't process that. And then me having to look back at you and say, yeah, green, two for body check. And then you announce it. It just. No, I would say I'm not announcing that. Yeah, I know. I'd say, no, I'm going home. This is horse shit. I'm out. You know me. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm not announcing that. What's driving it? Is is this a COVID corona thing? Or is it because the government has funneled some money into it and wants to dictate things? No. It's pure about contact. Yes. Okay. It's not like in the queue where the queue um, did recently. Uh, the Quebec government was giving the 12 Quebec Major Junior Hockey League teams $20 million to, to split because they cannot have fans. Right. Okay? Right. But the footnote was, we want to you to implement a 5 and 10 for fighting. So you get a 15-minute penalty, and if you do it more than once, you get a three-game suspension, five-game suspension, so on and so forth. Is that book rule now? It is. Five and 10 for fighting. Are you okay with that? I I would, uh, I, as I said um, to many people, I don't think there's that much fighting in the queue. There is occasion, and it's an emotional, passionate game, and there's going to be a fight. Right. But it's far and few between. There's not that much going on in the queue, so I could swallow that. But on the other hand, Patty, I read an article the other day about the fact that the maritime teams are allowed to have, I think it's 25%. MHL, you say it's a, th- a third but in the in the queue, I think it's twenty five percent of attendance of the of the capacity of your rink you can have. Like Moncton tonight will have, oh, I don't know, twenty five hundred. That's their allotted amount, and that the teams here in the Atlantic Bubble are saying we're losing money, hemorrhaging. Yes, you know because we cannot. And then then you have the queue, the yeah, twelve of them spreading split, splitting twenty I, million dollars. I feel like you're taking me down this uh, path to to get my blood flowing here you you know my disdain of all things i i firmly believe that the quebec major junior hockey league and i'm not a, you don't have to agree with me here uh you're way closer connected than i am you will see these people at the arenas for the course of the winter i genuinely think though the more successful teams at the door financially are in the maritimes division i don't believe for a minute the quebec major junior hockey league gives one flying shit about teams in atlantic canada i don't Oh, you know I agree with that. I, I think that the year that uh, you and I uh, broadcasted that championship when St. John and Moncton met in the final, I think they were ready to burn down the Harbor Station and Moncton Coliseum. 
And I don't mean that literally. Yes. Yeah, I mean that metaphorically. Patty, I think the biggest reason the queue got off and going is was because of the success of the Atlantic teams, that they're in a bubble, and that, for sure, those six teams are going to play. And, and I think it just, let's assume it's a normal season. Mm-hmm. And by normal, I mean no corona, no COVID, no, no, no none of that. No, none of that. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible English. I apologize. I like that. No, none of that. Um, look at the better. Uh, you know this better than I do. You've, you've, you've seen games in every mm-hmm. arena from teams that no longer exist as well. The better arenas are in Atlantic Canada. Correct. Um, they're, they're, they're bigger arenas. Mm-hmm. You can Even a, even a moderate crowd in Moncton and Halifax is more than most teams can put in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I only see uh, when you tell me to, uh, you know, when sometimes uh, you're fortunate enough to get one of your, your calls on the Q plays of the week, when you're cycling through that little uh, vignette, some of those rinks, like Bay Kamal, looks like the LBA with a few more seats. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruin Aranda Val d'Or don't look like they're yeah, far off. Yeah, yeah. Um, Victoriaville doesn't look like a nice rink. Mm-hmm. Drummondville doesn't look like a nice rink. Bathurst, uh, known as being one of the smallest markets, mm-hmm. has a very nice rink. Beautiful. In Charlottetown. Do you know what? They put money into their facilities, and that that um, yeah, except for the broadcast. I think it's called the Canada Games. <laughs> I don't know if it's called the Canada Games. No, it's. I think it's East Link. Yeah, it, it's East Link Center. Uh, yeah, in uh, Charlottetown. Used to be the Canada Game Center is a well maintained facility Look that's it. comfortable and uh, accessible. Every time I go into the uh, Casey Irving Regional Center in Bathurst. I don't even know what year it was built. I do know that Bathurst relocated there in 1999 uh, when Luongo took them on the championship Canada run. Winter Games were there. That's why it was built, wasn't it? Well, that was, was at the Camelton Rink. That was Camelton. Okay. Um, but the Casey Irving Regional Center, and you're there enough, it shows no signs of its age. No. None. Not at all. It, it, it looks like it just opened up a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I applaud those in, in Bathurst for that. Anyways, the point I'm making is, I, I agree with you. I don't know why they didn't share a little bit of that cash with the teams out here uh, in Atlantic Canada. And that's, uh, you know, that could be a uh, bit of propaganda from the teams in the uh, Maritime Division. Um, but uh, fortunately, they get to have fans. There is some atmosphere in the rink. I don't know what it's like for these kids to, I guess it would be like playing <laughs> playing at, at, at Pee Wee and Midget when you went to the rinks and only family and friends were there, uh, how quiet it must be in some of those rinks and how, you know... Uh, uh, challenging it must be to motivate yourself without that enthusiasm from the fans. Yeah, Darcy and I, uh, my old uh, colleague at the radio station, McLaughlin, um, Darcy and I used to go up to Bathurst a lot on Friday evenings. Mm-hmm. Free passes. Yeah, free passes, of course. And you get a chance to go to St. <laughs> Hubert and uh, have a slice of... No, there was something at Burger King you liked. What was it? The no, Baconator. Wendy's. Or Wendy's, the Baconator. Yeah, and then they went and closed Wendy's in Bathurst. <laughs> Jesus, Murphy, don't get me going on that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there were some quiet nights in Bathurst over the years. Oh. Like, you just go up there and go, how are people not here? And if not for your own local Teton team, um, you know, how could you not want to see? Like, I used to go up there on Fridays with Darcy, and McKinnon and Drew Am would come into town, and mm-hmm. there'd be 600 people there. Yeah. And how could you, if you're a hockey fan, how can you ignore the guy who was hands down going to be the number one draft pick that year. And Drew Ann was going to go in the top 10 yeah. on the outside. Uh, I remember, and I, again, I said this last week, uh, I, I remember I was working at um, uh, CJMO, uh, C103. It was Rock 103 in those days. In 1995, there was free passes for the Monk and Alpines. Uh, and they were shitty. And they were playing in the Coliseum. There was there was nights when there was less than 1,000 people there. Mm-hmm. Neil Hodge would remember them well. But if not for your local team, and you are a hockey fan, as best I can recall, Jerry, 
Uh, would I be crazy in 95 to say I've seen Daniel Briere and Le Cavalier? That seems to be around their era, or am I right out to lunch in that? It seems to me I did see those guys. I couldn't answer that. Yeah. But there was a certain exotic portion of it as well to mm-hmm. see teams from Drummondville and Ruiner Randy were like, where are these places on the map? Again, the world a little bit smaller uh, place, or a bigger place, actually, in, uh, in 1995. Um, so Neil Morissette would have owned the, the team, uh, the Bathurst team, uh, since the time they arrived, which was early 90s. 99 they arrived from in Laval, Bathurst. From Laval. 99. Yeah, 99, okay. Yeah. That was when they took Luongo. Luongo took them to the championship. Right. Um, and there was a real dislike for him because he really took the, the, the city to the cleaners on everything that he mm-hmm. had ownership of. Yeah, he wanted concessions. He, conce- he did. He wanted sponsorship. He wanted all the advertising in arena. Everything. Right. You know. So there was a dislike that way. So then, as you say, there's times you went up there and probably that's still when Morissette was, uh, was the owner. Um, but then again, they're a passionate bunch on the North Shore, and if they have a bad team and there's a good team coming in that's going to kick them around the rink, they won't go and watch. Yeah. There's that, too. Can I tell you, uh, yeah. Leo Guy Morissette was the gentleman's name. Right. Can I tell you a funny story? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. So, yeah. Timberwolves <laughs> came in the league in what, 2000, 2001. I got to mm-hmm. think about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not do broadcasts in the first year. So, now we're 0102. So I, I'm going to just, for the sake of the story, say it's 0102. Because they did it for one year with Hoppy, and then you and I took over in 0203. You remember this? Mm-hmm. All right, so the first year that we're on the air, which is the second year for the Timberwolves, Morissette had a farm team in uh, right. in Quebec. Yeah, AAA junior team. They were called Warwick Teton. I remember that. So for whatever reason... And I don't know if we put a halt in our season or if it was preseason or, or what, but for whatever yeah. reason, we played an exhibition game yeah. against the Warwick Teton. So we go up there, Dunn and I, to do the broadcast. Do you think you would have broadcast an exhibition game? Yeah, I guess it oh, would have been an oh, exhibition I, again, game. Again, I guarantee you we yeah. did. Because, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, I, it couldn't have been a game. It well, couldn't have been a, yeah. We intended to do it. And again, there was a certain exotic element to this, that we were taking on a team from Quebec. Seeing how the Maritime League uh, stacked up against the Quebec League, uh, seeing your second-year-old franchise playing the big arena in front of brand new arena, brand new arena, as it were. And I, I kind of forget, Jerry. Maybe it was like a double header too. Maybe we were on the afternoon and the Teton somewhere on in the evening. I, I forget the the finery of yeah. this. Anyways, so we're getting all set up, <laughs> trying to get our broadcast gear going. Yeah, the gear. And all of a sudden, jingle jingle. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, the door flies open, the broadcast booth, and this guy, and he looks like someone. Uh, you know, you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Just when I turned around and said, "Jesus," when the door flew open, you knew this guy was someone. It wasn't Jerry Green from <laughs> Snowball Street. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, "Good day," and you know what I'm dealing with. Dunn does not care, so I'm the the mediator here. So very French. And Dunn and Quinn, with no disrespect to us, very not French. So there's a communication gap here. So this guy's screaming at us because we're broadcasting the game. And in his mind, that we were broadcasting the game had likely given a plug. Hey, fans, listen tonight, as opposed to hop in the car and head up the highway to the arena. He freaks out. 
you're costing me money at the door. And I'm like, oh, hold her here now. Relax. This is a crapshoot of a game anyways. We're just here doing our job. Relax, pal. And I still don't know what's more set. Anyways, uh, Dunn is oblivious to the goings-on. And finally, he turns around and realizes that I'm in a bit of a jam here. And he comes over to bail me out. And Dunn looks at him and he goes, you Morissette? And he goes, we. And I'm like, holy shit, this is Leo Guy Morissette, the man. And he looked, again, leather coat. He's a big burly guy. He had a nice suit and tie on, as I recall. He had rings on every Jesus finger he had. And he said, uh, the young lad and I, that's what he called me, the young lad and I, I'll pack it up. And I'm, 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 I'm looking at Dunn going, like, why are you taking a rollover so quick on this? I, I need you to back me up here and say, listen, hell with you, pal. We're getting on the air. So done. And you remember the old 790 CFAN gear was in that hard shell suitcase. We had the yeah. phone with the alligator clips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't imagine those days. No. And it's not that long ago. No. And Dunn looks at him. And Dunn has been having a cocktail. There'd be no, uh, I'm not betraying a trust there. Uh, you would expect that to be part of this story. And so we pack it up. And uh, Dunn looks at him and says, we're going to leave, Morissette. He said, you got more lawyers and I have recyclables on my back porch. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, off we go. And listen, listen to this. Here, here's the real footnote to this story. We were escorted out of the rink. We never saw a second of the hockey. We, I remember the bus. Oh, drive. this was before the game. This is before the game. This is the oh, warm-ups going gosh. on. Yeah, that was the line. You have more lawyers than I have recyclables yeah. on my back porch. And we were escorted out of the rink. I remember the bus driver was named Donnie Terrio, and we had to find him to open the bus because when you're frozen outside the rink, never saw a second of that hockey game. Never saw a second. Typical of uh, Leo Guy Morissette, mm. only rink in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League where, as a broadcaster, you're coming in to broadcast back to your uh, station is all those were radio stations Your back then. Uh, the home team is to supply a line yes. for you to use, dedicated to you. Yes. He was the only one that made you call collect. Every other rink, it was supposed, it's so supposed to be. I have you're to call there with, collect back to Moncton. You're there with the Moncton Wildcats calling yeah. collect to News 91.9. Yeah. You have a collect call from Jerry Green. Well, maybe not collect. What I, I think the phone number was on the box, and I would have to phone. You were charged for I it. Think, yeah, is, I think I had a self, here. And, I, and I had to get them to call me. Oh, my Unbelievable. God. Unbelievable. Pettiness. A, that's, petty, that's, petty, petty, petty. Only, and they never clamped down on them. And I'm sure people complained because it was part of, if you're setting up a media for uh, Neil me. Hodge to scribe and to have a, a broadcaster, you need to have a phone line for him. And he just pushed the envelope and made sure that you were going to pay for that phone line, not him. Any coverage is good for the league. Yeah. That's just the way it was. That's a fact. Yeah. That was a fact. Yes, it was horrible. I would never have accepted the charge if I'm on the if I'm working the studio at ninety one nine and I hear you have a collect call from Jerry Green. I'm going, No, I don't accept the charges. Hell with that. I think it was a call to them, and they had to then call me on that line. All right, so we want to do a little roundabout here on uh, some of the things I have uh, written down here. Yes, uh, Wilson Bell, mm-hmm. friend of yourself and I. You want a little dissertation on high school hockey. Uh, so we'll keep this uh, relatively brief here because uh, uh, the internet has not been kind to. I was trying to track down. I was actually going to go to the schools today. I was going to text Kevin Bowes to shoot me a picture of the 89 team. I think I can nail the 89 Tommy's team 
within a few players here and there on and off. Uh, MVHS, I'll have to give myself a pass. So I can, 89 would have been big six. I, I can review a few players. So right. the last, uh, so Wilson wanted a little shot here for uh, high school hockey back in, in the good old days, as we would say. And thank you for referencing uh, the big six. So MVHS last won the championship in 1998, and that was a big one, of course. And then the following season, the James and Hill Tommies won in 1989. And here we are in the year 2020. Neither the Tommies nor the Palamu. Wasn't the other way around? Was it 88 for the Tommies and 89 for the... No. I could be Okay. 88 for the Palamu, 89 for the Tommies. Okay. But neither school has been back to hockey glory since 1988 for the Palamu and 1989 for the Tommies. And that's hard to believe that you didn't you didn't have a year where the moon and stars aligned and you had now look at that 89 Tommies team. I mean, I would have been there for every game. It's 89, I'm 13 years old. Um, but again, the world was such a big place in those days. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, when you saw the FHS Black Cats coming into town or the St. John High School Greyhounds, it was like they were from the other side of the world, especially when you're 13 years old, if I may say. Well, did you know I called the championship game for the Tommies? Do tell. They were playing, uh, Clement Cormier. It was the, uh, you know, the... Terry Morris, that bunch, and Kevin McLean and Nett and that sort of thing. And it was uh, in the Cocan Arena. Uh, I think it was a best of five, might have been a best of three final. I can't remember. This was a deciding game. And uh, I was situated on top of the Zamboni uh, room. Um, it one of those big arcing arenas, you know, the big wooden ceilings and big dome-like look to it. And ran a phone line, ran a phone line from uh, an office all the way out and up onto, that was the only place I could be, yeah. was on top of the Zamboni. And I didn't even have a table, I had chair, uh, a chair. Did you have a wingman? No. And I remember, I think Dale Hicks was there, who was then at the time uh, the general manager of the Mayor Gagnon Packers. Absolutely. And he came up and joined me for an intermission, but I remember calling that championship game. I'm pretty sure they won it that night, and that would, would have been that. And then in 88 for the Palamu, the so some sort of championship in Moncton. But again, let me jump in here. For yeah. some context, you're, you're in the radio game at this point in time. Right. You're right. the sports guy here right. at 790 CFAM. Yes. Okay, I just had to get that in there for And then folks. 88, I uh, was with the Palamu in Moncton. There was a, I don't know, it was a tournament over there playing Moncton High for the championship, and I'll stand corrected on that. And when they won, and at then I wasn't broadcasting back, I was giving period reports, or maybe even 10 minutes I was calling the station right. and doing an update. Right. And we came back on the bus with the championship that night. So you were there for, you're the one, you're the tie that binds. You're the one common denominator I guess here. that would be true. I never thought about that. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. But and of then- course, you remember back then, um, <clears throat> local radio and Ian Byers were big on covering all and every sport possible. Absolutely. And uh, the, you got to tip your hat to him for, for that. Look but- at Jerry, that continued on uh, just to add some time and years to that. That continued on, well, I moved to Cape Breton in 1996. And we would broadcast the game of the week. Uh, it was usually what is now known as the Cape Breton West Islanders or the Straight Junior B Pirates or there was the St. of X game. Uh, but local sports was still covered. I was there in 96, 97, 98, 99. And it was the be-all, end-all. Yep. And I remember working the evening shift uh, when your local team was away. 
if, like you were saying, those 10-minute reports, if, and Port Hawkesbury is where I was, and it was a mill town, and at any given time there was a massive number of guys and gals working the shift at the mill, especially in the evening uh, when most sports are played, save for the weekends, they wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to know that the Pirates are beating the Bulldogs 2-1 after two um, periods of play and so on and so forth. And, you know, when did that all change? So that went and got all screwed up, did it not? Have yourself a mouthful of water here. We're sharing a bottle of Aquafina water here. <laughs> but uh, those, those days are gone, unfortunately. Well, didn't they disappear when the age of technology came along and you could do more with less? Isn't, <sighs> isn't that when it happened? And so you had less staff <sighs> Jerry, doing more stuff. I kind of forget where it all went crazy, truth be told. I, re- I really do, and I, I should know that. I should be able to nail that within... A year or two on either side, but yeah. uh, it was a it was a tectonic change, and it happened quickly. And we're no longer doing this, and here's why. And don't put up a fuss. Yeah. Like I can remember growing up, and let me throw some names at me. You like, and you worked there, um, Fredericton radio station CFNB. Like holy shit, they covered everything. Um, here, Byers, to his credit, did the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember Dave Lockhart at various uh, radio stops in Moncton, namely uh, CKCW, CFQM, was on top of things. Um, I still admire to this modern day. I, I love Hodge's articles. I love Hatchard's articles. I think the Fredrick Gleaner does uh, university, high school, and well, now with the Red Wings and the Maritime Hockey League. I've always admired uh, the way the Fredrick Gleaner uh, covers sports, senior baseball, of course. Uh, they they do it right. <laughs> they got a sports department. They got a sports department. Yeah, actual sports department. Yeah, figure that out. Yeah. Um, but were you going to talk on some names? Some names from? Uh, well, now listen, you were there, so '88. I mean, we're we're talking. Yeah, but I thought you were going back further than that. I thought you were going back into the '70s. No. Were you? Well, now listen, Jerry. I'm only 44 years of age here, so <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how to no, do research. No, no, no. But listen to me now. What, what I but I preface this by saying the internet is not kind to NBI statistics. Yes. It was hard to extrapolate here, so maybe I'll have to wander through the halls of each school and uh, snap some photos. But again, 12 years old in 1988, 13 years old in 1989, that's probably my entry point uh, to that. Much more than that, I would have been just a kid there with $2 in his pants, more worried about what was going on in the canteen than what was going on uh, at the ice. Fast forward from there into the 90s and the uh, Riverman days, and we're going to get to that. Uh, That's where I really could... uh, ratcheted up a notch but the 89 tommies correct me if i'm wrong we're talking jason mclean chris hambrook terry morris kevin mclean joel uh, mcdermott joel mcdermott andre Depray, the uh, list jr hay jr hay the list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. there for sure um scott daly comes to mind kevin as well. mcclain i believe was in that absolutely just yeah. said kevin mcclain oh, uh, i think kevin butler or chris walsh would have been the backup goaltender or mm-hmm. uh, number one and two I'm trying to think who else was on defense at the time but yes you, you got a lot of them uh, up front one of the which mcclain was up front jason jason right yeah. jason mcclain right sniper yeah and then of course dax went on to be a uh, the McLean, uh, Dax McLean was a big riverman yeah and yeah. jason uh, sorry jeff and dean were dandy hockey players uh, as well uh, for uh, the Tommies. Um, MVHS, 1988, we're going back. I mean, that was your, uh, by all accounts, and again, 12-year-old Patty doesn't, didn't make too many trips to the Civic Center in those days, well, except for the Packers. Um, I mean, Mike Dunnett, by all accounts, stood on his head and carried the team to the championship right. that year. And I think I remember fellows like um, Maltby up front. Steven. 
Yes. Uh, Todd, th- Todd Morris would have been there. Yeah, I, he um, would have been. Uh, mm-hmm. Tibor Kazmir. Yes. Uh, I think Michael John Mitchell was playing then. John Can for sure. I'm going to guess Can as yes, well. Yes, yeah. I would think. Uh, also up front, I'm trying to think... Um, Sherrard, uh, what's uh, Arlie? Arlie Sherrard yeah. was up front. I'm missing a bunch I, I, of people. I'm going to guess. I know. I, I'm taking a shot at the dark here. Maybe Andrew Donovan as well. Does that sound about Andrew right? Andrew Donovan, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, good one. Mm-hmm. Good one. Um, you go back to the picture, you could name them all. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, it's hard off the top of my head. But uh, yeah. again, a, 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 a time in in Miramichi uh, sports uh, hockey player lore. Uh, those two years and the equality of those two teams, and especially when they played each other, was oh, a great night out. I'm glad you said that. Be at the Civic Center, of the LBA. It was a it was a huge rivalry and two good teams. And some nights you got a back to back or Thursday yeah. at the LBA, Friday at the Civic <laughs> yeah. Center. Like, oh, yeah. unreal. Yeah, those. There were some good hockey players. So thanks to Wilson for that note. And we, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can catch me at PQ Mary Machine on Twitter. And you're what uh, handle? Uh, G Green Machine. At G Green Machine. At G Green Machine. Pi O'Reilly, no stranger to uh, fans, uh, uh, especially here on uh, the Miramichi. He uh, sent me a note saying he wanted a little plug for his old uh, buddy, uh, Billy Daly. Now, right. here, 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 you and I are comparing a throw uh, on episode 15 of Ori Cook uh, in that game against, help me out on that one. First game. First game against Burnaby. Be- Burnaby, yep. Yeah. So I actually said it was a Billy Daly-esque mm-hmm. throw because I've often heard uh, the stories of uh, Billy Daly's cannon um, from the outfield. Now, again, little reference check here. Had Billy Daly as a teacher uh, at Dr. Logier, well, it would have been junior high in those days, um, but my actual remembrance of Billy Daly on the field, I would have been just just a kid. Now, having said that, I had a father who was – managing and always involved uh, in various uh, capacities. I mean, uh, for a kid who loved the game and whose father was involved, you couldn't help but grow up with names of Jimmo, Sorrell, Leggett, Hardy, uh, Daly. The list goes on and on and on. And I remember the first time you got invited over to the ball field. I can remember sitting at home and hearing this is stupid that I would even admit this, but uh, again, it's different times. I can remember, uh, you know, where I lived in your neighborhood. So yes. you, on a good night, a good clear night, you can hear the PA announcements. And uh, in the day, I remember Ian Hosford uh, doing the announcements uh, right? in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember to date this story, one of the big songs they would play uh, in between innings or during the warm up. Uh, was Boney M's Brown Girl in the Ring. Do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> no. That album was Night... No, I do not. You don't... That no. album, Night Fight to Venus, <laughs> with Rasputin and... By oh, is that what the album was called? Rivers of... The well, album, yes, Rivers of Babylon. But yes, I, okay. just to date that story, I can remember that song <laughs> wafting across the highway. Why that song? Uh, into the neighborhood. I don't know. That's just, that, that one stands out for yeah. me. Now, so to go down... Oh, well, the, why are they playing that song? I don't, I don't get Well, that. I'm assuming it was a yeah. big one in the day. Yes, yeah. And look at Jerry here. here you want to get real nerdy here? Uh, I, how are they playing that song in the days? I was going to say is, that. Is there a turntable there? Holding the mic to a, a cassette deck? Yeah. Or like- <laughs> Uh, so Billy Daly, thank you to ChathamIronman.com. And again, uh, off the top of the uh, podcast here, we uh, name-checked uh, Brian Richard and R. Grimley. We're going to assume that they are the uh, keepers of all things statistics over so the year. So is Billy an all-round player, great defense and great offense? Played for Team Canada one year, okay. too. Um, and, and you know what? Uh, and I think and Pi could uh, either correct me if I'm wrong or pat me in the back if I'm right here. Billy Daly 
um, had it in the belly too. Uh, he was a warrior, and uh, if there was, you know, a runner to be taken out at second base to break up a double, Billy Daly was doing that. If there was a catcher to be run back in those days when you could, Billy Daly would drop the shoulder and make it happen. Was he a power hitter or an average guy? Well, I mean, average, uh, always got on base type average. I meant. I'm glad okay. you asked. Are you okay. ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. It's career statistics. 346 career average. Yes, sir. 45 doubles. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he's in all offensive categories at ChinaMyron.com, even after all these years. Uh, where'd I leave off there? 45, 45 doubles. Okay, four triples, 382 career hits. 382 career hits. 253 runs scored, 273 RBI, and 45 home runs. 45 home runs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now here's the Billy Daly. Those are big numbers. Here's the yeah, crazy numbers. How many seasons did he play? Do you know that? That doesn't. N- no, I'd okay. have to. I'd have to really dive into that. But uh, that's just an overview of his uh, back career. Back then, they played a long time. Oh yeah, absolutely. There tend to be, you know, your st- your your mainstay guys for as long as they wanted uh, to stay, they stayed until they couldn't go anymore. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and well, the other thing too, uh, and maybe I'm wrong here, but there wasn't. Well, I better not say that. I, w- I was going to say there wasn't quite the infrastructure feeding those teams either. So yeah, don't know. Maybe that's why you hung on a little yeah. bit as well. Um, but maybe senior was considered senior. <laughs> so here, <laughs> here's my uh, Billy Daly story. And I was thinking about this uh, today uh, uh, with uh, fond memories. I can remember sitting in Mrs. Cormier's class. It would be some sciencey class that I was far from interested in. I know you'd be uh, shocked to hear that. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm doing nothing, and I'm doing nothing very well. <laughs> um, I, Tradition I, continues. Yeah, I got really good at barely getting by. That was my book on my good uh, one. scholastic yeah. career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can remember sitting in her class. That was in the yearbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in her class. She was on the second floor of uh, Dr. Loggia. You've been through Dr. Loggia, of course, mm-hmm. so you can picture this in your mind's eye. And I'm doing a whole lot of nothing, and all of a sudden the door flies open, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. Like, so much so where you jumped out of your seat and you're like, what the heck was that? <laughs> and Billy Daly looks at me and said, Quinn, get the hell out in the hallway. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. And I'm trying to rack my brain going, what have I done here? And why is Mr. Daly, as you would have called him then, you wouldn't say, hey, Billy, of course, in those days. Of course, he probably wouldn't have minded. He'd give you a pass because he knew you from the ball field. But I'm telling you, I can remember, I'm getting chills thinking of it, I can remember the walk from her classroom out into the hallway going, like, I don't, I don't know how this ends. And I'm kind of making eyes with the boys going, like, if you don't hear from me in 30 seconds, for God's sakes, send out the search party. Mm-hmm. So again, he says, Quinn, get the hell out here right now in stern, didn't crack a smile, didn't give a lad a wink to say it was all a ruse. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I go out in the hall, and I'll never forget, we were in, it was band and baseball, and we were gearing up. It was in between... It was right around the first of the school year, back in the day, and you remember these, when there was such thing as an Atlantics, and that's kind of a thing of the past now. But in order to get to the Nationals the following year, you had to win your province, and then they cut you off into a region here, only one team from Atlantic Canada. And again, information traveled slower then. Um, no internet, no no Twitter, none, none of that stuff, right? And, uh, you know, probably in the cycle of the papers, I kind of forget when the paper was published then, but... Once I get out there, he goes, hey, how'd you make out in the game last night? And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God all he wants to talk about is baseball. But that was just the way that he came into the classroom to get me the heck out of there. And then he said, go back and tell them I'm mad at you and something like that. And I'd only met him a couple of times. Beautiful um, guy. What was uh, 
Give me some dimensions, uh, height and weight. Uh, but he wasn't a big lad, was he? Mm. Like under six foot? Oh, yeah. yeah. Under six feet. Yeah. I'm guessing, yeah. But again, had it in the belly. Like, yeah. I... I uh, I don't remember him playing hockey, but I wasn't around in those days of much around the LBA, but no doubt he did, and no doubt he did very well. I, I can only guess that. But uh, So we get the plug in there. I'm going to go those again. 346 career average, 45 doubles, 4 triples, 382 hits, 253 runs scored, 273 RBI, and 45 home runs. Mm-hmm. Countless championships, uh, so on and so forth. Billy passed many years ago. I think it was early 90s. No. No? No. Well, I was, I was here at the time and and again i had only met him a couple of times through um um larry mcdonald and or sure and uh because um i'm gonna guess oh three and i oh three but keep going i'll I'll look look that up okay it wasn't the 90s sorry um and um that's where i would have met him and uh, i uh, without talking about billy daly i just would like to you know send condolences uh as billy's a widow uh, Nancy Marquis, Nancy Daly passed mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, and what mm-hmm. a fine lady she was. Oh, and, one of the best. And uh, they were quite a tandem together. Yeah. And so our condolences to the, their families and uh, Jennifer, her daughter, and and uh, so forth. So anyways, go I, ahead. I, I don't know why I remember that, but it was, I uh, just looked it up. Uh, my goodness, the internet. I would have passed high school if we had had this, I promise you. Uh, December 15th, uh, 2003. 2003? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe, if memory serves me, I was at the funeral, and I, I believe Eddie McDermott uh, said a few words, eulogy, and it was a laugh and a cry and all points in between. Yeah, Eddie's a good speaker. Oh, uh, hands down. Yeah. All right, uh, where are we going next? Uh, how are we for time here? Are we well, long-winded here, or what do you want to do here? Oh, come on, we got a few more minutes sure left we in do. this. All right, so we had a kind of agreed uh, through uh, uh, texts and uh, phone calls earlier this week that we would uh, throw a few of the shows that were currently grinding out on Netflix and those that got us through our layoffs. To get off the sports subject, and these aren't. Uh, yes. There's one sports one that I watched, but other than that, there was uh, most of them were about. Uh, uh, crime and entertainment, but the one that stuck out with well, me. Well, hang on here. These are the ones that we're grinding out now, and the ones that got us through uh, our, our layoffs during Corona when we had nothing to do but right grind things out uh, day to day. In the early stages of staying home, um, had a an ongoing delight with Northwoods Law and Lone Star Law. Did you watch them on the History Channel? Wow, I'm, I'm yes to answer that in one word, yes. but. I've never realized what was involved in wildlife conservation and what these guys went through. And they're regular That's guys. That's a ridiculous thing to well, say. Well, I didn't know. But you don't know what their actual day encompasses and the things they have to do. And the, the entertaining part about it, they had uh, uh, conservation officers from... Uh, fish and wildlife is what they used to call I think they called it, from New Hampshire and Maine. So yeah. they're regular guys and that are not in speedy chases and handcuffing people, but they were so good at uh, uh, getting the information or the truth out of whoever they, they were dealing with. And I will say this, on a fundamental level, I connected to the show, uh, spe- the main specific ones, because... You know, we've been to Maine a lot, and yes. it was a treat to go to Bangor. Looks like our backyard. Looks like our backyard. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's I, that's a bizarre one. I got to say, you didn't. Did you watch it, or do you watch it? Hundred percent. Okay. In I the absolutely, early stages. I of- absolutely do. But I, I just I, you're outing us here as 
Northwoods Law fans. Is it Northwoods Law? Northwoods Law. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a huge following. Oh. I've mentioned it to many people. Say, yeah, watch that. At PQ Mayor Machine or at G Green Machine. Let us know if Let you're. Let us know if you watched it. If you're a Northwoods Law And guy. even that Lone Star Law, which was Texas, yeah. never realized how big deer hunting was. <laughs> Well, how would you know that? I don't. Know. Have you ever been to Texas? It was fascinating. And how much? Answer that. Have you ever been? No. Well, how would you know that? <laughs> I didn't think they'd be hunting white-tailed deer down there on a regular basis. There was so many of them. I didn't know there was that many of them. Like there is moose in Newfoundland. But again, how would you know that? I don't understand how you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you're shocked that there's just that many deer in Texas. It wouldn't be the place I thought white-tailed deer hung out. <laughs> why? It's too warm, or? Well, it is pretty warm. <laughs> All right. Can I throw one at you? Yes. I'm going Netflix here. Um, I revisited in the onset of uh, COVID and Corona and the uncertainty of don't go to the house and if you do, get the hell home as quick as you can. I revisited uh, the entire series, Shameless, the American version, um, not the British uh, uh, version. William H. Macy plays this drunk. Uh, it's a gritty show yep. of, a, of a hard scrabble family in Chicago. Yep. And it's just survival. They're doing what they do to sur- to get by, and uh, I was enjoyed that it. In the early going, you watched it again. Was I had that watched your first go to. I watched it before. That was my first revisit. I yeah. thought, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to catch back up on this and revisit that because I, th- I think, as I recall, there wasn't much on at that particular point in time that had uh, tickled my fancy. Now, the strange thing, if I may, mine are Netflix centric here, by the way, and I've got a few Prime that people should be aware of. All right, very good. Um, I don't. That's Amazon. Prime. I don't. And maybe I'm in the minority here, and I'm okay with that. I don't. I, I I rarely watch movies on Netflix. I get into series, something I can swallow in thirty minute or I've done that too. Hour long yeah. minute uh, bites, and then grind her out of them. And there's it. lots of them. Yeah, there is lots of them. So shameless. Go ahead. You're uh, next. Okay. Now, this is from Prime, and um, I don't know if I'm going to admit this, but I am. Uh, because I find it. I when you say it, Prime, what do you mean there? Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. Yes. You, you got a subscription. Um, fascinating uh, time in the, in the world in the 19, late 1950s, early 60s. And it was the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I know you're going to look funny at me. No, I'm not. Uh, a he- fascinating show. Here's my. With a character named Rachel yes. uh, Brosnahan, yes. who's won many awards yes. for her performance yes. as a uh, housewife stand up comedian yes. and what she did to get further in her career. But it was the, it's the colors, it's the, uh, uh, the cinematography of it all, the cars. It's that late 50s, early 60s. It's a great time. And they're Jewish to begin with. And so there's a certain uh, a way they talk that I found very intriguing and watched the whole thing and loved every episode. You just swung from white-tailed deer in Texas <laughs> to using the word cinematography yeah. in sentence form. Yeah, I know. Um, Afterlife is my uh, next Did you one. Watch, have you ever seen it? No, never have. Okay. Uh, I, my only connection to it is when you watch those award shows and it would say, what is it called? The Fabulous? Uh, Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. You're like, oh, I sh-. In your brain, you're like, well, I got to check this out. This many people can't be wrong. Well, there was just a little small attachment for me because Rachel Brosnahan was in the first two seasons, maybe three seasons of House of Cards and was mm-hmm. a fascinating character yeah. in that. And so that was my attachment to maybe see that show because I like the way uh, she looks. I, I still want to like House of Cards, but I can't because of the whole Kevin Spacey stuff. I'm off him. All right. 
Um, Afterlife, uh, Ricky Gervais. Have you? Uh, yes, you got me onto that. Did I? Yeah. It's uh, it's dark. It's dark. Yes. It's very dark. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I've gone through it three times now, and that's no joke. I've gone through it three times, and it, every time I I, I I laugh where I always laughed, I cried where I always cried, and it's just a fascinating show. It's a it's a take on a guy who lost his lost his wife to cancer, and yeah. him trying to get back up on the horse and find some meaning in life. Yeah, and, no, very good. Yeah, very good show. Okay, so I'm still with Prime. If you get an opportunity, the movies the show's called Bosch, and he's Spell an L- that for me. L.A. detective. B O S C H. Okay, he's an L.A. detective. Storylines are excellent. He's a great character. I, I meant to look up his name because you'd know him to see him. He's been in many things. Um, uh, excellent show from a crime perspective. And I think it's six seasons now and waiting for season number seven. That's how successful it has been. That's on Prime too. And the one that I like, uh, if you've ever seen a British crime show, cop show, the way the cops conduct themselves in Britain is total opposite of what they do in North America. There are no guns involved. It's about doing everything by the book. And there's a great show called Line of Duty. In the Line of Duty. It's called Line of Duty. An excellent British uh, crime show that deals with a, uh, they call it A12, which is uh, kind of like... Um, uh, uh, they they uh, they check up on on cops, bad cops. It's uh, what do they call that in North America? They call that um, um, you know the department that that uh, um, investigates them. Yes, what's that called? Um, anyways, that that's I know what you mean. Um, something affairs. Um, internal affairs. Internal affairs. There we go. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that is a great show, and that's on. Um, that's on uh, on Netflix. It's called Line of Duty, a great British crime show. All right, I'm on that one. Okay. Um, uh, you and I share a bent uh, for uh, sci-fi. I think I might have gotten you onto this one, too. Uh, my other uh, hit pick here for you is Away, if you haven't already gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I started it, and I, I didn't grasp me, so I will revisit it. But no, you, I know you mentioned it to me, and it didn't, it didn't grab me. And uh, my final one here on my list, and it's I'm fast-forwarding to present day, Patty, if you will. And for the love of goodness, if you haven't already started this, please do so tonight. Don't talk to me until you do. Uh, the Queen's Gambit. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I have no hesitation to do that. Unreal. Have you gone down yet? The rabbit hole? No, but I am going to. Absolutely. All right, very but, good. Uh, highly recommend. And just a couple for me. And sure. unfortunately, this one was if there wasn't me trapped at home, and or all of us trapped at home. I guess I don't know if this would have taken off. But that stupid old Tiger King. I spent the time to watch it, and I regretted every moment of it because I did not enjoy it. I thought it was stupid. Did you see it? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Um, went, like- down, went down the Tiger King rabbit hole real early in the process. It was the uh, topic at uh, work. Absolutely. Of- often. Yes. It, it's it's foolish. I guess I can appreciate this. If I were to appreciate one thing, it is this. You can't imagine that all these people just happened upon each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, they, these are a rogue cast of characters, and they're real. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact their lives. Yeah intertwined is fascinating in and of itself yeah like you can't imagine these people found each other in in a roundabout way i didn't i didn't enjoy it all right next one and of course uh from a sports perspective i love the last dance with uh, michael jordan and that was on regular tv Uh, no it was on netflix right and the thing they did with that which i thought that was fascinating 
only released an episode every week I instead did. of giving you them all at once. I know, killing me uh, at that point in time. Uh, yeah. When uh, I've, I've gone through that twice. It's worth seeing twice. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, pardon me for this because it would have been right in my uh, formative years when I was all in on all sports and a total loser looking at game summaries in the, in the newspaper, pre-internet, of course. I do not, for the life of me, remember the whole scenario with Michael Jordan's father. When I'm watching... When I'm watching that series, I'm putting it on pause and hitting my phone, going, hitting the old Wikipedia and the mm-hmm, Google search. Mm-hmm. I do not remember that. I, I remember I, Michael I'm, Jordan's father dying in a tragic way. Yeah, I do remember I that. I do not. I, yeah. I was hearing, I'm telling you, I'm hearing that. I was hearing that uh, and seeing that and watching that for the first time during that uh, mm-hmm. series, documentary, call it what you want. Um, just to quickly, and a uh, very uh, huge fan of Shit's Creek. And the fact that they won all those Emmys in the last uh, awards season, yeah, unbelievable. And if you've never watched it, and I know people that haven't, uh, you have to watch it. It is an entertaining uh, uh, cast of, uh, of uh, Canadian actors and renowned Canadian actors, and Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, yeah. and Eugene's uh, son, uh, David, or Daniel uh, Levy. Um, really, really well-written and a very funny show. If you have the time to get started on it, it's worth the trip. Chris Elliott is in that as well. Yes. Um, I'll you know be honest. He got his start. He was a sidekick on David Letterman. And Letterman. Yes. I, was, okay, I, was, I, wanted, I wanted to guess that. Okay. Um, I, and don't ruin it for me. I mean, I know the way it ends, and I've read all the articles, but I, I still haven't ground out or grinded. How would I say that? Ground. Ground? Yeah, ground out. Watched. I still haven't watched uh, the final season as yet. Yes. So that's on my uh, list of things to do. Now- and just two others before we get just on the Amazon side. Yeah, on the you're Amazon, going, if you, you're if going you, full, you, uh, I watched a lot of stuff. You're Patty. going full Cisco and Ebert on me here. On, on uh, Amazon Prime, there's a show called Sneaky Pete and Goliath. Uh, in Goliath, it's Billy Joe Thornton is the main character. Is this is one show or two like, separate shows. Two separate shows. Give me the first. It's kind of like a boss. It's called Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. Yes, it's All a right. series, and you'd be entertained. Okay. So that was, and, and, and I the, wanted to get Shit's Creek in there because- And the was, other one is what, in Goliath? It's called Goliath. Goliath. Yes. Okay. And Billy Joe Thornton is a cop that, uh, give uh, me, a private investigator, actually. Give me the economics on a uh, Amazon uh, Prime uh, uh, subscription. I, gotta, maybe I, I don't know because um, my daughter and my wife are regular orderers from Amazon, uh, and for some reason- it, she oh. had a free subscription. I don't know how long, yeah. and then you know. Now I still got it again, but uh, very uh, every, a lot of great stuff every on Amazon. Tenth parcel, you get another month. Maybe of subscription. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. Well, you can't get any. You can't get marvelous Mrs. Maisel on anything but Prime. But, okay. Uh, anyway, some great shows there too. All right, so uh, we're on the home stretch here of episode uh, 17. Uh, I got a note today from uh, Zach Newman here. I'm holding my phone up to you. <laughs> I see that. Okay, you ready it's for a this? Quite a note. Yes. Mm. And uh, wants a little plug here, and uh, why the hell not? It says, hey, Patty, at 1.20 p.m. Uh, this afternoon, we are recording uh, on a Wednesday evening. I love that the run is back. I was wondering if you would be able to give me a quick shout-out sometime to a podcast that myself and uh, a few of my former college roommates have started called The College Friends. And uh, I did listen to the first two episodes today at work. Uh, it says here we talk sports and shoot the shit about old times and have a special guest on each episode for an interview. And uh, he certainly appreciates uh, the fact we're giving him a little. Again, what is it called? It's called The College 
Friends. And where can I find that? Uh, you can find that on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Well, I'm assuming on multiples, but uh, that's where I uh, source it out. Again, say it again for uh, me. Today. What, the name of it? Yeah. The College Friends. The College Friends. Yeah, and uh, mm. good to hear uh, from Newman. I know he uh, listens in here and loves... Uh, I, I think Newman is uh, from the generation uh, where he appreciates hearing the old stories of mm-hmm. days of yore, mm-hmm. if you will. Do you think we've done that tonight? I, I do believe I we've, think we have. we've done that uh, tonight. Many, many avenues we've gone down. Uh, we want to thank uh, Victor Summers and uh, the folks at East Side uh, Creative Center for, again, uh, the studio, the technology, and uh, the uh, hospitality in general. Coffee. Uh, this show powered uh, by uh, Creative Grounds. What we go with tonight? Was that an Americano tonight? Americano tonight. Delicious. And Patty, can we put and this out there? Sorry, go hang ahead. Hang on. We did steal a bottle of Aquafina yes. from uh, Victor's uh, fridge here, so Stash. we'll have to replace that in due time. And uh, go ahead. You were going to say something. When you and I first sat down here and you said, we'll just bang out a quick one. <laughs> That's the term you use. Podcast. Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And here we are now probably into an hour and 40. Does can we ask the people that are listening that it might enjoy these? Are these too long? Well, can now, we put that out there? Is, believe, that, is that something I shouldn't say? No, go ahead. I, I do believe it was Wilson uh, Bell who said that uh, it made his trip from Fredericton uh, seem shorter. Yes. I mean, uh, we didn't take any kilometers off the trip. I can assure you of that. But <laughs> time seemed to That'd have be about an hour and forty to get from Fredericton. Time uh, seemed to have uh, flown by. Look, I I am a consumer of the spoken word. From my radio pass. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour and a half matters very little to me. I can consume it in in, in segments. Right. At multiple sittings. Right. Um, so time means nothing uh, to me. But if you would prefer longer, shorter, or the happy medium somewhere in between, hey, we're open to a suggestion. Um, you can get at us at PQ Machine or at G Green Machine, both on uh, Twitter. We're fairly actively there. Uh, fairly active there, I should say. And uh, the other thing as we talk... Oh, sorry. No, that's all right. You were on a flow there. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, because we do feel like we are dedicated to do this once a week. Well, here and here's the other thing, too. And I'm not pinning medals on my chest nor yours. Um, but sitting here talking about whatever comes easy to both of us. Yes. Um, and that's... it's It just is what it is. It, it's, it comes easy to us. Um... We both come from a radio past. Uh, we're both talkers. We're both listeners. Um, so observers, does, observers. Yes, <laughs> we are observers. And you know what? Uh, and knock on wood, uh, seem to have great memories as well. <laughs> we can recall yes. foolish stuff and stats and yes. plays from years past. Our mundane lives. Our mundane lives. <laughs> Uh, absolutely so i was uh, giving a little shot there to Eastside uh, creative center Mm -hmm. creative grounds is there anything else we should jam in here or what no i just love this location and very comfortable here with you all the time anytime i'm with you i'm comfortable but uh really enjoy uh if people do enjoy it we enjoy doing it uh don't think it's work it's not work so we're going to end on a uh, serious note something near and dear to myself and uh, i speak for you when i say this uh coming up on Wednesday, uh, November 11th, of course, is Remembrance Day. Uh, COVID-19 uh, corona pandemic has uh, wreaked havoc on uh, ceremonies uh, here in Miramichi and across the country and uh, no doubt around the world. Um, so we would implore you to uh, take a moment in your own special way uh, to remember 
those that uh, pay the supreme price in pursuit of a better world and a better Canada that we enjoy today. And uh, please do so if you wouldn't mind on uh, Remembrance Day. Now, as far as I know here in town, uh, Jerry, and I'm a big uh, Legion supporter, and I have been uh, invited over the last handful of years uh, to emcee the local ceremony. As yes. far as I can extrapolate from a few phone calls I made today, it's going to be a, just, a, a, just a quick service at the uh, Cenotaph and the newly redesigned um, Elm Park. Elm Park, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and I don't believe it's going to be open to the masses so as to not um, encourage uh, gatherings. And I think the same to be true uh, in Newcastle as well. Of course, that Civic Center uh, service over the past handful of years has been uh, super well attended, and, and, and why the heck not? Uh, so just in your own certain way, uh, do a little something in remembrance of those uh, who served and continue to serve in our country for that matter on uh, Remembrance Day. And one note about that, um, and a fellow that um, almost everybody probably do in and around the city when it came to the importance of Remembrance Day, uh, and a client of ours, uh, we were talking about him today, John Forbes. Oh, Mr. Forbes. Who passed away, I, I don't know if it was December or January, it was but this would be the first Remembrance mm-hmm. Day without him, and what an well, integral part, and what a, uh, a spokesman and a uh, presenter and an all-hands-on-deck mm-hmm. John Forbes was when it came to remembering. Here's my connection to Mr. Forbes, uh, Joy McDonald of uh, Sobeys in Douglastown, um, and his uh, wonderful staff have, for the last handful of years, or, or more than that, have had what they called a veterans' luncheon. Mm-hmm. And at no cost to the veterans and their spouses and families, whoever wants to come for that matter, active or retired, uh, would get served either a turkey dinner by year or a ham and potato scallop dinner. didn't matter. It was more about the coming together than it was the meal, but it was just a chance to come together. My, anyways, uh, back to Mr. Forbes. Mr. Forbes, who would be, with no disrespect, 96. I was going to say well into his 90s. Yes. Uh, would run around to every car dealership, a lot of stores around town, and collect little uh, prizes, door mm-hmm. prizes, we'll call them. And uh, look, it, it's funny the things, um, it's like that line in uh, uh, Field of Dreams, something to the effect of you. Sometimes you don't recognize uh, life's significant moments until they pass you by. And here, John Forbes and I are last year. And with no disrespect to Mr. Forbes, I was a little stronger on the mic uh, as far as getting to the back reaches of the room. Mm-hmm. So I took over. I said, John, you hand them out, and uh, I'll do the barking here from the microphone. Fast forward a handful of weeks, months, and uh, Mr. Forbes uh, passed on. So good call on that. Uh, nice acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And you come from a military family as well, so near yes. and dear to you. Yes. All right, are we good? Yeah, I'm fine. All right, that'll do it for episode 17 of The Run. We'd appreciate a subscribe. We'd appreciate a share when Jerry and I start uh, banging this out on Twitter. Uh, have we been going for that long as you hold up your phone? Yeah. Holy cow, we got to shut ourselves down here. Thanks so much for listening in. Give us a share. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, the more ears, uh, the, the happier we are. Absolutely. Can we end it on that? Yes. All it right. was fun. Thanks. Thanks.